real quick before this podcast begins, I wanted to add a little caveat to it. Um, out of transparency, I tend to record the podcast in a fairly public place in my house. I don't have, um, for reasons I won't go into, but as, as a result, sometimes I get a bit of back, background noise. And this particular episode, there is a point in the podcast where my two daughters got really loud. It's not their fault. It was my fault. I should have told them I was recording, or at the very least, I should have stopped the recording and um, told them to quiet down. Instead, I just let Sue continue on. So hopefully, I think you can still hear him for the most part, and I think the content is still valuable. So hopefully, you'll excuse the background noise, and I apologize. Thank you. Welcome to the Scott and Sue Project Podcast, where we journal our wandering into the realm of helping others. We are currently using our time and talents to tackle the problem of homelessness in our community. Hello, Scott. Hey, Sue. How are you? I'm good. Um, how, how about yourself? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Did you, so I sent a link about, well, we were, last we talked, um, there was a topic about how, what can we do in homelessness? And I sent a link about blockchain technology, <laughs> uh, a podcast episode. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, I have to bring it up. But you, um, while you talk a little bit about it, like I'll find the episode link. Okay, for sure. Yeah, I did listen to it um, since last, and it, I remember the last recording we talked a lot about social media and how it's kind of hurting us in various ways and keeping us from. Um, Connecting, and we had a debate that we didn't record, so I'm having trouble distinguishing between the two. But I, I think I remember that social media kind of keeps us focused on the wrong things and keeps us away from, distracts us from being engaged in our communities where solutions could be had. So I listened to the episode that Tim Ferriss podcast, and he had a couple people on. Yes, let about, me give you the details. Yeah. Right, okay. that podcast was episode was uh, was Chris Dixon and Navar Ravikant, mm -hmm. um, and specifically around the wonders of Web three. Uh, Web three referring to uh, the things that will be enabled by the new blockchain technology. Yeah, yeah. So I was listening to it, and they were really optimistic and excited and pumped up about the potential of web 3.0 and what it can enable in terms of its disruptive potential they they saw some of the problems with web 2.0 that i had identified in terms of a, just a small number of com gigantic companies who basically control the platforms and they're the ones making all the money and a few people doing really well on those platforms also can make some money, but most people are just giving away their data for free and the platforms are using that data to make the money. So that's the problem with web 2.0 and web 3.0 they claim is going to disrupt that in, in exciting ways, according to them, in that it 
it returns control of our data back to the people who own the data. And that's enabling through crypto and blockchain. And cryptocurrency was one of the, um, that kind of crypto as a currency is one of the key technologies to enable that exchange of digital goods. I'm assuming this is mostly in the digital arena. I struggled with quite a bit of it actually, because I didn't totally understand. It didn't land with me in specific ways in terms of, <clears throat> I could see the potential in niche types of areas. Um, two of my problems were I, I'm very much a skeptic of cryptocurrency as a currency because it's just too unstable. Like currency for it to work has to be stable, can't fluctuate in value like cryptocurrency does a lot. So I'm worried about that aspect. If that's a if that's truly a fundamental technology to enable um, Web 3.0, then I worry that that's a, a problem. And, and also it just seems more of a niche because it seems mostly focused on digital content and not full on um, like, because I, I, my point is we need to get off virtual, <laughs> the virtual world and get into the physical world more free, more often. And um, there they seem to be doubling down on virtual kind of exchange and the virtual economy as the economy and i may have missed something but it seems like th those points were those are mostly kind of my concerns with what they were talking about so i'd love to hear your counter <clears throat> so like you my initial thoughts were you know when we talk blockchain uh what it enable blockchain you know as a technology think of it as a uh, a database that is um, distributed open and distributed and accessible by all so that the first thing it enabled was uh, cryptocurrency and for the longest time I'm like you um, I yeah I mean it's it's interesting what like for example, Bitcoin can do, uh, and it does have the problems that you mentioned. But I didn't realize about the other things that blockchain enable. I know blockchain eventually will enable um, things like smart contracts, and but I didn't know exactly how that would create a new uh, financial rail, to, um, and the blockchain enable that. But what really got me thinking was uh, this uh, uh, two two additional things that that this uh, episode uh, brought up. One is uh, the concept of uh, DAOs, uh, which stands for Distributed Autonomous Organization. That to me is uh, the most fascinating part here. What um, essentially, uh, let me try to uh, explain. It's, it's as if like a group, let's say a subreddit group. Uh, up to now, you, you know, people can gather around and coordinate, but there is not quite a, 
an easy way to involve money into it. Like the group uh, couldn't really uh, gather resource, like fundings, and then being able to collectively decide uh, what to do with those resource. And this uh, with a blockchain uh, smart contract that enables these things called DAOs, distributed autonomous organization that essentially uh, creates this automated system. Like essentially you, you uh, think of it as a, you write the constitution for that group, how they would, the rules that how things would work into the blockchain and, and people participate in it and, and things would be automatically uh, uh, control or, or organize. Does that make sense? Um, not totally sure um, if I understood all of that. Um, so what, so, uh, let me uh, uh, continue on then. Okay. And what, why this is so interesting is that, you know, for, like, for the longest time, like if you, uh, if you want to tackle a particular problem like homelessness, uh, you would start a nonprofit or for profit, and you have to convince people to to get together uh, to to work together to tackle a problem like homelessness. Uh, if you're a nonprofit, then you have these things about. Uh, setting up a board or uh, go fundraising and mm-hmm. um, and and when it, when you have the funds like how you would uh, manage that how you would uh, deploy that uh, so all those is some aspect of management that that has to happen and it has to be centralized to uh, the few or, or whoever that's going to start it and and the transition of it um, has to be figured out, you know, as people move in and now as well. But imagine that uh, there is a, a new way, which is through this DAO, that through this technology, it, it makes it as easy as starting a, a uh, you, you know, gathering around a Slack channel group or or a subreddit group. Yeah, no, that's I, I, I conceptually. Th- I had the same issue with um the podcast. Conceptually, I could see some strands there that seem pretty exciting. I just need to needs to land um, the full point needs to land, and it's not quite landing um, because. So I could see where, like, just even under the Internet 1.0 model or 2.0 model, where you could just gather around, like, a subreddit, just get like-minded people together. What you're saying is then you could add funding to that in contracts. You can, yes. you can, you could establish um, a, legal, a legal contract. So there would have to be a legal connection. So you could use um, blockchain to somehow create a contract that would be legally binding as yeah. a 
Right. So, in, but if, <clears throat> when you say legal, um, back in the traditional world, you would rely on uh, the rule of law uh, to to enforce uh, the contract. Whereas in this new paradigm, uh, the rule of law is actually coded in the chain itself. So it, it, it much like in cryptocurrency, when you send uh, a, a Bitcoin to another person, uh, that's it, it's done. There is no reverse, there's no if and buts about it. Uh, so in the same way, uh, the governance structure that you code into the smart contract, how um, uh, the uh, the um, how the the rules around let's say the governance rules around like how the group would behave or how the resource will work, uh, whether it's being distributed, deployed, or being brought in, uh, all those things is automated. There is no you don't need a rule of law beyond what is coded in the chain uh, to be enforced. Okay, so tell me exactly what we would need to bind in in, in the because that that something tangibly, even if it's virtual, it has to be. It can't just be. Um, a lot a lot of times contracts bind you in certain ways. I'd have to think through the details. Let's just sure. give, give me an example. That's like, why I'm struggling. Right. Um, the one example that they mentioned, or maybe it mentioned somewhere else, um, is that, are you familiar with the, the subreddit called Wall Street Bets? No. They were the group that uh, essentially got together and you know the whole game stop? Uh, mm, yes. Uh, yes. Stock as a meme <laughs> yes. stock. Yep. So they all got together and uh, coordinated their actions such that, you know, sharing information and coordinating the action to to trade the GameStop stock. Uh, And and through the process, I beat the the hedge fund guys (laughs) that were you know, sh- uh, shorting that, that stock and uh, expecting it, uh, the business uh, to eventually go bankrupt at some point. And, um, and so anyway, long story short is that uh, the, the Wall Street bet, bets essentially got the better of that game and won against the hedge funds. But the coordination is only to the level of uh, the sharing of information and coordination and timing and so forth. But the actual trades or the, um, the funds uh, is, is up to the individual to execute. Okay. Now, what, when we bring in the DAOs into this Wall Street bet, uh, then the Wall Street bet as an extension, like let's say the, the 2.0 version or the web 3.0 version of this would be that uh, Wall Street Bet itself becomes like a hedge fund themselves, okay? And the members in the group, the subreddit group, group will be part of this, um, this uh, like participant in this blockchain. And 
when they bring in their resource, they will essentially buy in to this uh, uh, this fund or uh, contributing to this pool of funds. And so now, uh, now they have these fund commingle in this uh, in this org- autonomous organization, distributed autonomous organization. Then um, how? Then there needs to be rules or contracts around like okay. Um, how do they trade a particular trade? How do we make a particular trade? So it could be that uh, it's such that uh, it's up to the votes, votes of like um, what is the action that they will do, and then based on that vote, uh, the system will go and execute that trade, like whether it's buying or selling the GameStop stock. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the profit when it comes back goes back to the pool and. The mem and any of the participant members in the group could uh, cash in essentially sell away their reimburse their token and essentially selling the token to somebody else who's willing to to take over the the ownership or the membership of the group. So people can come in and out, uh, participate and and you know retiring from the group uh, and making a collective action. Uh, like directing the funds that is available in that pool. Yeah, that makes a bit of sense. So, the what's in that contract in that specific example is the results of the votes. Yes, and the results being exactly how they're going to. Um, Right. So, so yeah. Right. Let let me expand a little bit on this. uh, So, the block in the blockchain, right? um, This whole concept of smart contract. So, the the, uh, when when the the the, I I don't. Okay. So, uh, the 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 initial thing about the blockchain. uh, All I thought about was uh, yes it is a distributed database I, I get that uh, that's f- the first thing to grok is I, I get that um, it's a store of data okay what the next thing is that oh like uh, for ethereum when they introduce smart contract or the essentially there are code that you can include in the blockchain that will execute uh, based on certain rules or condition. So that's where this this magic happens because of the ability not just to store data, but it has code that will execute based on certain condition. Another example uh, that are, um, that was given before, not not in this episode, but was like a uh, smart contract around greenhouse gas credit, uh, greenhouse emission credits. That means like uh, they could, for example, uh, you can write a code that looks at uh, the emission based on, let's say, satellite image on a certain factory. And if, assuming that they can calculate the, mu- the amount of 
emission that is produced by that factory, then it it can it sort of, it can theoretically execute a piece of code that would then charge or take certain amount of money uh, from from a party A to to party B. So that's another example of uh, a smart contract, like based on some essentially a code that looks at something and moves money around. In this case, uh, in the the cryptocurrency around. Yeah. So the difference between a normal contract and a blockchain enabled contract, and I would need to study blockchain more to understand how this works. But you're basically embedding software in the contract yes. that can enforce and then execute the conditions yeah. of that contract. Yeah, it could be anything. Um, so it's like a, it's just a web page. And if you imagine a web page running JavaScript, right? When the first version of web page is mostly static elements, correct? Mm-hmm. But the, the web 2.0, the web page that we know of today has a, a lot of code in it, right? That mm-hmm. executes when you load that page. Imagine this now, uh, it's, it's like a web page in the smart contract in the blockchain. Well, so, so you're putting the code, not in the page, right. not in the, con- uh, yeah, it's yeah. in the data itself. Yeah. The know. smart contract, imagine it's like a web page, a web page that has code. So it has data and code. Right. Right. Well, the, the web page isn't, I mean, the page is just the, the visual view of it, but you're I'm, actually, I am, I am yeah. using the web page as a analogy. Um, no, I it's know. not exactly yeah. that. <laughs> it's you know, not exactly I, a web page. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was, I was maybe going a slightly different direction. I was imagining the code instead of being in the page in the data itself. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I think I can kind of imagine that working in some very virtual applications um, and in particular some niche applications. Some of the applications they were talking about were um, gaming and virtual reality kind of um, domains. So uh, on the gaming one, um, let me give you the example. Like, so imagine these uh, uh, massively online multiplayer uh, games. Um, when it, let's say these, uh, the uh, there are plot of lands that they can own, uh, and and. Uh, right, and you know, buy and sell and uh, whatever they create in the game. Um, but that this brings in yet another concept called NFTs. But um, let's not go there, let's skip this part. Yeah, this is a game example, but um, let's also skip that part. But what I like to talk about more is how it brings back to. Like homelessness. So there are two things that gets me thinking like how um, this can apply into, you know, our, um, our, you know, trying to think about ways that we can uh, approach this uh, homeless 
homelessness problem. So the first thing is uh, back to the the nonprofit organization. How how do we organize? So there is uh, imagine, let's say, uh, how um, like we we know there are Facebook groups uh, around that uh, that people gather around to to help those that are in, in need or so, uh, homeless uh, folks that are in need. And what if there are, does bringing in this concept of DAOs into this group enables this collective organization of resources that uh, essentially another capability that this group can have that enables this, uh, the the resource grouping and the resource alloc- allocation and then the deployment of those resource. So is that something that that, uh, that can be done? I think what that can enable is uh, maybe more of these groups can can exist in in many uh, cities wherever that's needed. Uh, that can deploy a resource much more with, with less friction and and crowdsource being more effective. That's that's one you know around how nonprofit is organized for let's say solving homelessness. The second one is what if um, the oh no on those that are the struggle with the homelessness problem itself. Is that something there that uh, this DAO or the blockchain technology that can can be created for for that segment, for that group that enables them to pull whatever resources they have uh, and to give them more power um, uh, more power, more collect, collectively more power because they are, they have an ability to band together, uh, to their resource to 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 um, to address some of the the problems that they uh, that they need. In, in some ways, like uh, giving. So imagine like. Uh, there are contributors like us that contribute to that pool, but we don't decide how that will be used, but they decide how they will use that resource. Yeah, I think that's kind of where you lose me a little bit, even earlier, because um, I could, like I was saying, saying earlier, I can imagine some potential use use case if you stay in the virtual world, like if everything is enforced and leveraged virtually, but homelessness is definitionally not virtual. Like they are in a physical world lacking shelter and potentially much more than that. And they're struggling in the physical world. Um, so I don't, I, I, you know, if you can pull them into the virtual world and somehow get or pull people who are concerned about them in the virtual world in a sort of organizational fashion and in a resource allocation 
fashion, where then those resources can be allocated and pulled out of the virtual world into the physical so that then they can get access to food and clothing and shelter. I think that's potentially, you have to like find that bridge between, because blockchain lives, it's, it's an artificial, in some ways an artificial concept that lives purely on the internet. Um, but you have to, and you know, even currency money is artificial, but it has a, um, it's a, it's a concept that there's a shared agreement on that gets enforced by central entities like the government. And then everybody builds an economy around the notion of this currency. And it's very much, um, it's, it's very much it started out in the physical world. Like everybody, uh, commerce is run by currencies managed by governments. And then we build up nonprofits and right. around so those legal me, contracts. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, the, the virtual to the real world, uh, that connection will be, uh, the money part, the currency part. So in, in this case, uh, the blockchain initially would enable, Let's say, it man so I, I give you two examples, right? Uh, the the first one, imagine uh, a, a group of folks comes together and uh, creates this nonprofit DAOs, uh, distributed autonomous organization. That essentially, imagine the wallet is um, the the bank account for this uh, this nonprofit. This wallet is now. Uh, a um, yes, it, it, it stores currencies, right? The the resource that will be used to uh, to to be deployed uh, to tackle homelessness, however, whether it's uh, paying um, paying for a venue to to do a uh, 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 a food drive or or actually buying a home for for a, a homeless uh, group, or, or building uh, a, if it has sufficient fund, building additional uh, uh, housing. Okay, and that's that's one. I mean, all this comes around the the money part. So the money part is is just currency or cryptocurrency that. Um, with cryptocurrency, you, you can convert to USD, uh, and that's where you, you use it to to fund whatever activities that that needs to 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 fund. The second example is uh, rather in, instead of the, the nonprofit driving these, like what if uh, the homeless community themselves uh, band together and now they have a shared wallet in this DAO uh, and then you can also have additional fund that is put into it uh, by other benefactors as well uh, that that props have this one even higher now then they decide how they will want to use this or uh, they govern how any of their members would use the fund for whatever uh, activities that uh, that 
that they need or to, to support themselves. And they could band together to use that wall to, to buy a certain housing as well, if that is what they decide that needs to be done. Yeah, uh, no, I, I get you could have all that, uh, the currency being cryptocurrency, then eventually at some point, you'd have to convert that into your local currency, which is in our case, USD, right? so that you can actually interact in the real world. Um, yes. And with actual legal co contracts adjudicated by governments. <laughs> um, so you're basically, the, the idea here is that the web 3.0 model, because you, you, I can imagine some of this stuff you could do in the web 2.0 model, right? You can join a Facebook group or a, a Reddit sub Reddit channel or different Slack channels, whatever, and get together and coordinate and, you and know, coordinate. But the missing part is uh, the coordination of the wallet, the common wallet. Well, I mean, not, not so much because there's, um, GoFundMe's and PayPal and Venmo and different digital no, wallets see, in the web to that world. Those, those digital wallet is not, uh, it's not community owned. It's, um, but it's, there's, there's what's stopping, um, one of these companies from creating something that could be shared. Right. Um, then, then the, the, yeah. Cause you do, you do have like a merchant, you do have merchant accounts as from PayPal's point of view. So you could create like a nonprofit and have a wallet that collects funds on behalf of that nonprofit and have multiple users who with access to that accounts. Um, so there, there is, there is, so how, I think, solves right. some of this. Uh, but the, that, that challenge there, uh, two things, right? One is the, the database itself is owned by a, a central uh, figure, uh, a central person. So how do you have it essentially distributed uh, in a way that a there's no ambiguity on who owns what or who has control or what well i mean I, I mean you can you can certainly organize the wallet around you can solve that right you can say okay this wallet is owned by these set of people and then um i guess what you're saying i mean I, when you solve and, that, that yeah. is what the blockchain solve. Well, you can solve it in a alternative ways, but I, yeah, I don't. Maybe I, I don't know blockchain technology well enough to to understand whether that's the more elegant solution versus just um, writing up um, an app that can manage ownership across groups. Right. Because um, the the, the key thing is like the app that whoever writes, right? Uh, who has control of that app? When does it execute? How do we trust um, the writer of this app to do those um, those things? Um, and and again, if it's big enough, uh, if it's run big enough or run by uh, a 
central uh, entity, then there is that concern or is that and that entity uh, has a control over the activities with those uh, funds or, or okay. with, with that with with that group. No, I could, I, I, you're getting, you're, yeah, I could potentially see um, that it's much tighter enforcement if the rules are embedded in the the currency itself or in the contracts itself, where okay. you don't, you don't have to have a third party managing that data. It's in the data, and okay. um, there's no way around it. Assuming that. Uh, I understand it correctly. Um, there's no way around. If you want to get the data, it, you have to follow the rules because the, yeah. the data. And, and then yes, and also the the code, uh, both the code and the data is all open. Okay, uh, so it's, it's software. It's open source, and uh, it's it can be scrutinized by anybody, as opposed to. Uh, well, I guess we don't have an example of that yet. Like, you know, if I imagine, let's say PayPal, you know, exposing like the, the actually whether it's the database itself or the 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 code that uh, that can run like smart contracts within the with those data itself. Like, how would those need to be exposed in such a way that uh, that can enable transparency and trust. Right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, you're, you're ultimately, yeah. yeah, you're ultimately trusting PayPal. Right. Uh, right. Oh, yeah. Now, granted, uh, the software within the chain can still have bugs, so right. so that's that that can still happen, uh, but at least uh, you know uh, that's being worked out right now. <laughs> uh, to a, a lot of the concern right now with smart contracts is that uh, how bulletproof is it? Uh, you know, against hacks. Well, uh, another so yeah. yeah, another big barrier too is like you're talking about the most marginal people in society. So if you're going to think that blockchain is a tool that, for them to empower them, it has to be super easy to use. I mean, right, right. So uh, right now it, it, it is nice. It, right now is that uh, imagine back in the days where uh, your, uh, the way to like the, the web interface, uh, the the internet exists but exists with like archie and gopher and uh dub 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 is uh you use a command line terminal to to get to a web page right uh that's the early days right now where it's it's uh used by geeks right technologists but at some point when they solve this um user interface problem it would be like web that is today like you, you don't really need to know what happens behind the scene whether it's use http or ftp uh to 
move data around, uh, you just use uh, the web page. You just go to the website. Um, so we just need to get there, this technology. Yeah, and, and again, I, I can kind of see some of that. I think I still am hung up about crypto as a currency given, again, um, I just yeah. don't see how uh, an unmanaged currency can work given its value just fluctuates all over the place, which is really a big problem. So like you think you have a thousand dollars and then tomorrow it's 500. That's a huge problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or to make it even say like, to make it even more real, you think you have enough money to buy, um, a, you know, an apartment for a rent for a, to pay for a month of rent, but then tomorrow it turns out you only have enough money to pay for a week, right? Just because right. the value dropped, right? So there there are um, a couple of solutions with that. There are uh, cryptocurrencies that are pegged. Uh, so the the a whole group of cryptocurrency called stable coins um, that are pegged one way or another to the US dollar. So mm. those are uh, stable coins. Yeah, that would, I guess that mm -hmm. seems like, how would you peg it to the dollar? Like, so, okay, that so that, uh, that whole thing is, uh, uh, I'm still trying to figure out, but <laughs> there is a lot of uh, financial engineering behind the scenes to, to enable that. Yeah, because if you have supply demand, if people, like you can't really, the way you manage, the way they manage the value of the dollar is by either increasing the supply of it or decreasing the supply of it based on um, the nature of the economy. So right. they, um, so you kind of have to do the same thing with right. cryptocurrency, uh, which kind of defeats the purpose of it. I mean, uh, kind of, yeah. Well, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if I, uh, my rough understanding is that somebody uh, that is the the entity that is providing the stability of the the cryptocurrency or the stable coin uh, do so for a profit reason uh, or do so at some risk uh, that taking that risk enables them to take some profit. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to understand that more. Yeah. So essentially, it's like a bank that uh, covers for your fluctuation. I mean, today, um, like uh, when when you do international business and uh, where you have you're, you're buying goods um, and you have to use foreign currency and the foreign currency do fluctuate. I mean, not as much as uh, uh, the the cryptocurrency will. Uh, but they do fluctuate, and uh, there are um, there are entities, banks, or financial services that give businesses uh, essentially contracts uh, that say your the the purchase that you're doing today, uh, given this amount, uh, is guaranteed for this amount in that foreign currency. Those fluctuation is. Uh, but they pay a little bit more, but uh, those fluctuations is taken care by the financial entity that is uh, doing that transaction, underlying transaction. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking about um, currency differences between two countries, and those two countries are both stable fiat, um, governments managing fiat currencies, um, yeah, I mean, no currency is perfectly stable. <laughs> but if you have two stable currencies managed by really well-run governments managing those currencies, the, the fluctuation is going to be pretty small. If if it's a, a country well, that's not well-managed, then the risks are Well, think are about higher. this, right? Um, what I'm referring to is not... Um, so uh, the time frame of these transactions takes... Uh, it's, it's now within minutes or seconds where, uh, you know, what you see is what you get. Um, but more as in uh, when you actually want to trend, and then you know this behind the scene, right? When you say, okay, I'm going to buy, uh, I, I'm going to buy something in uh, Japanese yen. Uh, when you say buy that, that let's say a car uh, using that uh uh, some uh, number of Japanese yen. When does that actual transaction happen? Uh, you know, between you placing the order to the time that the car is shipped to you, and let's say even ignoring uh, the car is shipped, like it is in front of you, you have the car, but even so, like the and the, the wire transfer or the, the transfer of that money from from United States to to um, to Japan, like doing the actual wire or doing the actual settlement could take let's say even a day, right? So within the day, if the fluctuation is like just let's say 0.01 percent, but 0.01 percent of you're talking about one car, but now what if you're buying a fleet of car, a hundred car, a thousand car? I mean, does that still equate to some uh, significant amount? No, yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to think in terms of the crypto, where if you have wild fluctuations in value. Peg uh, like one thing fluctuating wildly, trying to peg that to something that's very stable, that seems like a, a hard problem. Unless you're doing something like um, something um, very simple, like they, unless they're managing <laughs> the cryptocurrency as well, which is kind of not, um, I don't know. Anyway, I think um, potentially it's something that. Like, yeah, no, it's something to keep our eye on um, technology-wise to see if there's something we can leverage um, there as we proceed on this very long, slow, very slow burn project that we have with trying to help with homelessness. I do think we need to think about, um, yeah, when you, when you think about organizing resources uh, and then using those resources effectively to help individual people that's still that part of the problem is still one that we're at least I'm struggling with, like um, how they even connect to help people. Um, I I think one 
one challenge that we're facing right now is uh, the resource part, right? Uh, how to crowdsource the res the resource. Uh, even if we can, let's say, do a GoFundMe, right? Uh, one of the problems with GoFundMe is that the governance around how the funds will be used. So that's a lot of... Is uh, that a problem that GoFundMe has? Governance? Yeah. I, I, yeah. So, so um, is, and I, I do get requests from GoFundMe and uh, a very common question is like, hmm, um, yeah, is, will, will that fund be used legitimately? Mm-hmm. So is, is this a scam or not? Mm-hmm. Um, so is, now I'm, I'm um, I'm assuming that uh, given uh, a blockchain DAO that would solve it, but I have to think through whether that is the case, okay? Um, but my assumption is that somehow uh, is, yeah, how, how would a completely transparent uh, um, uh, tra- transparent um, um, bookkeeping of these resource that comes in and how it is spent. Like, does, does it solve that, um, that um, in, I guess, um, make it, ensures that uh, the activities are all legitimate? How does it uh, prevent um, uh, the wrong use of uh, the funds. Yeah, well, I mean, another alternative to GoFundMe is effective altruism. And you go to sites that you trust that have done the work and have showed showed their work, and then you donate to them, like GiveWell. Um, and then, um, so how can you mimic that um, at a local level. So give it, give well, I don't think give well even cares about homelessness, at least not in, in right. the United States. So this, <laughs> right. So you're right. And, and this is, you know, the, the give well or effective altruism is essentially the issue is like, we need more, uh, more of these group to exist or more of this nonprofit to to come up with the least amount of friction or, or remove the friction that enables a lot of uh, crowdsourced nonprofit around neighborhoods, communities, and so forth. Yeah, that's that to me is the problem with GoFundMe more than... Um... I mean, because I've given to GoFundMe on occasion, because usually maybe somebody I know or somebody I have a connection, like either know them personally or I know somebody who knows them, right? So right. I just trust so, that. So that one, yeah, like GoFundMe tends to be like um, a, a specific cause and uh, and everyone contribute to that. Now, I guess I can think of uh, the the next level of DAOs as the uh, GoFundMe 2.0 that, um, I mean, it still enables um, I mean, crowdsourced participant, but more 
more governance around uh, how the funds will be deployed, how it'll be used, and potentially not specific to a person, but uh, a cause. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I probably yeah, because I think the, the I think the problem I get with um, nonprofits and fundraising is there's just too many of them, and I just get overwhelmed um, often sometimes where I, I just don't know where to put my money or um, and then if there is a way that, like you said, if if there was an organiz if if there was an organization regionally based organization, there are here. We know of them and we tie into them and we feel good about them or we create our own say um and then we convinced people that live in that area to um trust it then people will be more willing to donate and volunteer and such and that's you know how churches operate that's how nonprofits operate um is it's kind of going back to that localism thing you have personal connections you trust those connections and then you're willing to invest in those connections. And it's, uh, there's a personal interaction that establishes that trust. I, th I think um, you're right. And um, I, I think there is still that friction, right? Be uh, because that uh, there's still not enough trust. Um, and there are skeptics out there um, that uh, just don't trust uh, some of these organizing, even ch church um, <laughs> groups. And, and I think the DAOs enable two things. Uh, the first thing is um, because it, it, it just makes transparency much more accessible. Okay. And second is that it makes it more scalable in the number of boards or um, governing board members that uh, that can be in that group. Uh, that just makes it more truly crowdsourced as opposed to more centrally controlled. And I think given those two will enable more proliferation of these nonprofit groups. That, that's an interesting point. I uh, something to look into, but it sounds like it's we're not quite there yet, technology technology wise. It, it is there, useful. like like I said. Um, the uh, so do you think we we can do that? We can set up one right now. Down so, right. Um, the so there are a couple of uh, so um, there are a couple example of these DAOs right now. One of the the bigger one um, is called Flamingo DAOs. <laughs> it was it was a group that got together, uh, and they um, it's around collecting NFTs uh, and again whole other area, essentially digital arts, um, and where uh, the, think of it as a like a hedge fund or VC funds, but they invest or uh, uh, accumulate uh, crypto arts, okay? Blockchain arts. Uh, 
Yeah, in yeah. Forms but, of NFT. Yeah, and yeah. the amount of uh, uh, value uh, it's that that's being transacted or controlled by by that group. I, I don't know what is the total number of people in there, but uh, at least the, the the group collection is in. I would take a guess of uh, in the tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah, but but that's again pure virtual. So what I, what I was saying is, we create a DAO right now, mm-hmm. and we say, okay, we're going to have a smart contract to say all this money will go to what we don't to like homelessness in the Phoenix area. Right. And yeah, and then that mm-hmm. so people start investing in it and at some point it's just virtual until we somebody pulls it out denominated in us dollars and goes to the store and starts doing stuff with it and that point you lost all trust you, you're out of the, the DAO at that point there's no right. trust anymore um so there's a step missing there um so the the contribution goes to this pool of funds. Now, how that funds will be used, uh, and you will have uh, uh, this proposal uh, voting system uh, that all the members would would participate in. Right. Uh, so let's say the uh, and just ignore the the the, the smaller items that let's say. Uh, it's a big project. Say uh, we are will purchase a a home for uh, a community home, okay? Uh, in in let's say in this community, and that will be proposed and voted on. And if it proceeds, then uh, then the funds will go towards the 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 transaction of purchasing a, a real estate property. And the real estate property now uh, gets uh, owned by this group. So as part of that smart contract. So there is a connection between the digital world to the real world, right? Yeah, but so, by some point. So uh, it's a, uh, I think you're... Okay, yeah, so we have a smart contract. I'm, I'm not sure that this actually exists, a smart contract that could be legally binding to a home because at some point you're having a bridge. You have to make the connection to legal contracts that the U.S. government honors yes, right? because you're now in the physical world and then you're having to manage who. So you're owning this now, but who's living in it? You're trying to like make it a shelter for homeless people. It's just... Uh, and, and that has to work well. And then all these people have to trust that this is going to work well. It's like yes. at some point you're in a physical world that the virtual world can't really do anything about. So you have to have a trusted organization that's skilled, <clears throat> excuse me, that's skilled in doing this type of thing. And um, that that trust has to be earns somehow and it can't just be through contracts uh smart blockchain contracts right um imagine the let's say uh, you're you're a non-profit organization and how do you ensure that uh 
it is it is run appropriately. So you have a, a board, right? A, a board for uh, uh, to govern or to uh, the um, the direction or the, the activities of that nonprofit, correct? Mm -hmm. Now, um, but typically it, it, the board, uh, uh, some number of board members uh, in the tens or twenties uh, range, uh, it becomes not very scalable beyond that. Now imagine the the number of board members is everybody. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't see how that helps you if the, the board has to oversee something physical and the, like a physical mm -hmm. organization managing physical resources, having a lot of people virtually on that board doesn't solve that problem. It can almost exacerbate it because most of them will just check out. They won't like be, because you need to be, you need to be there physically to see the operation working, right? Um, so you, I, I don't see how the Dow can solve well, solve that. Yeah, like, like I said, we I, I need to think uh, more yeah. like how okay. if. Um, the details. <laughs> the, <laughs> the details are the details, tough. right? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. I mean, that's a saying. The podcast made some sense in if you just stay virtually, but that's in my view, that's something we should not be doing. I mean, I, I don't have a, a huge problem with people playing around in virtual reality or like internet gaming and like all these stuff that you can do. Right. I like, I don't see this as a. A virtual, but more as a just a technology piece, right? Uh, it's it's as if like um, a business using the internet doesn't mean that it has to be an online business. It's no, no, I I know, but they keep coming back to NFTs as art. Like when they talked about art, it was always digital art. I was talking to my sister about it, and who's an artist, and she doesn't even view digital art as actual true art. I mean, that's subjective opinion, but, um, but like it doesn't solve the problem with physical artists who want to paint <laughs> and produce physical objects. So yeah, if you're just purely involved in NFTs, digital art, or maybe even digital music, um, which is, better because that's actual music you can listen to but um but you you don't get the live experience of concerts although you can start talking about tickets and stuff so there i'm not saying it's like completely useless but it's not like a comprehensive solution you know that that's i guess we need to talk more about this <laughs> to see if if i'm missing something but that's kind of yeah. my where i see it now yeah yeah Okay, well, that's probably good for now. Um, we will keep thinking and talking. Welcome to the Scott and Sue Project Podcast, where we journal our wandering into the realm of helping others. We are currently using our time and talents to tackle the problem of homelessness in our community.